Welcome to the Back on Track Podcast, the podcast that will inspire, impact, and empower you, and will bring forth conversations and information that will help you finally break free from the internal shackles that are restricting you from making maximum progress in your life and business. And now, here's your host, speaker, trainer, storyteller, author, and coach, Ghazi Muhammad. Live, my brother, my brother, my brother. Greetings, greetings, greetings to all. Uh, thank you for joining us. Another episode of Back on Track. Um, we have a very special guest in our studio today, a phenomenal young brother with a very remarkable story. You know, I just came across this young brother's story uh, probably a week or so ago. And um, when I heard his story, I was amazed, impressed, inspired motivated, empowered, um, all of that plus on brother, you know, just from your story. Very, 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 very phenomenal story. So uh, let's get right on into it, man. Let's get right on into this, brother. Let's um, talk a little bit about yourself, man. You know, your, your upbringing. Who are you, brother? You know, let's get right into it, man. Because this is going to yes, be sir, a powerful yes, story. Hey, listen, y'all, y'all want to share this. Y'all going to want to share this. This brother got an amazing story. Y'all going to want to share this with your friends and family. You want to listen to this brother's story. It's phenomenal. You ever dealt with some of your life? You ever had challenges that you've been succumbed by that, that, that you didn't overcome? Man, you want to hear brother Mark? Go ahead, brother Marcus. Go, go on. <laughs> yes, sir. All praise due to Allah. Yes, sir. Um, well, definitely just first want to thank you for allowing me to, you know, um, be interviewed by you, for taking out time out of your schedule to see value in, you know, my story and to see value in the conversation that we had a few days ago. And I think you also have a wonderful story. Um, so it's a blessing that we were able to connect. And I'm really grateful that I'm on this platform so I can share my story, um, just, you know, spread the knowledge of God and how wonderful he is, miraculous he is, and just um, just share my testimony. Um, so just a little bit about myself. I, I'll strive to be as prompt as possible, but also give as much information. Um, my name is Marcus Muhammad. Um, I was born in Washington, D.C., uh, 1993, July 8th, 1993. I married, um, you know, 27, my wife is 26. We have two. Uh, beautiful children um, by Allah's by permission. Um, I, my, my oldest daughter's name is Mizana. She will be um, five in January. Then I have a, we have a two-year-old son. So Allah has blessed us. Um, so just to start a little bit of my story, um, when I uh, I was diagnosed at birth, um, HIV positive. So this was, this was the disease that I was born with. Um, and my, my biological mother, you know, may Allah be pleased with her, she passed when I was a baby. Uh, I don't know who my um, my biological father is, um, but by Allah's permission, I was adopted and I was raised by a wonderful, wonderful mother who is an MGT. Her name is um, Sister Francine Muhammad. And, you know, she um, brought me up in these teachings under the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, you know, given to us by the Honorable Minister Farrakhan and applying uh, to the teachings, how to eat, to live, faith, prayer, um, being steadfast, you know, um, me as a young child, one, one that the doctor said I might, might not have lived to be a teenager. It's still here today, you know, um, kicking this virus butt. So uh, that's a little bit about me and what I like to do. Um, you know, as you probably may already have seen, I'm a, I'm an extrovert. <laughs> so I love, I love talking, you know, I enjoy having a good conversation. I enjoy uh, other people uh, laughing, smiling, just having a good time. Um, I'm a musical guy, kind of person. So I love music. I love dancing. I love art, love drawing and um, painting, even though I don't do it as I, I, I should do, but I, as I, as I used to do, but I, I love um, artwork. Um, you know, I love being around family, traveling. Uh, I love animals. So you probably see this big fish finger got behind me. I'm really into animals and just uh, nature and stuff like that. Um, and the reason I, I, I really share my stories because, you know, just I, I've always had a passion to help others. As a young child, I've always envisioned myself to um, get to the point where I could share my story to uplift others because I always, I always will get you know overwhelmed with emotion. Um, when I would think about the condition that this world is in, when I would see individuals in pain, like my mother actually told me, um, my, my, my thoughts was how she feeling about it. You know, I didn't want her to be sad. I didn't want her to be worried about my condition, you know? So it was always more of a concern for others than it was for myself. 
just because of the love that I've just had for people. Um, yeah. That's me, you know, I love to have a good time. You know, I love knowledge, love self-knowledge, love the young from his little Tricon and everything he's done for us and given us because I won't be here for today if it wasn't for his teaching. Yes, sir. So that, that's oh. me. Okay, so I love that story, man. So, so, so we're going to dig into that story a little bit now. We're going to dig into it. Don't so, dig too much, all right? Don't dig too much. No, I'm just playing. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so coming up, you know, being born um, HIV positive. I know when I was coming, well, back in the 80s, that's when, you know, I guess I first became aware of AIDS. I, I'm, I'm assuming it just hit the scene at that time, HIV. And it was like a scare in my generation. Like, man, everybody, I mean, like, if you was having sex, it was like, you know, wear your condoms. You know, don't, don't be... You know, I mean, like every woman, every girl you came in contact, every guy, you know, the, the, the thought was on your mind was, do they have AIDS? Because if they have AIDS, I don't want to mess with them, right? I, I mean, no, I'm, I'm good, right? So what challenges did you have coming up being born HIV positive? What kind of health challenges did you have? And also, what kind of social challenges did you have? Did you make friends? Did your friends know? Was you afraid to be around people? Did, did you, you know, were you kind of standoffish? Did people reject you who knew? They're like, nah, we ain't, you know, play with Marcus. You know, he got AIDS. You know, they, don't I, touch I mean, him. Yeah, right, right. You know, don't touch him. Well, the, um, I would say the blessing is, you know, my mother educated me at a very young age. Um, I think when I was uh, about six is when she first told me. And she didn't, I don't think she used the term HIV. She used, I forgot the exact phrase she um, used to actually explain it. But she said that there was a condition in my blood. And this condition could cause me um, to be sick. So I had to take care of myself and I had to be careful when I would be around others, you know, uh, more so with my saliva and my blood. And she explained how uh, this virus would pass. And she, you know, each few months, each year. So as I grew older, she would give me more information and so uh, to how the virus would work. And then when I would go to the doctors, they would uh, enlighten me. Um, so it was quite a transformation because when I was six, um, like six, seven, eight, nine, ten, or so, it was like, um hiv was this uh disease that you know if you kiss somebody you can get it you know what i mean like they at that point they thought that it was in the saliva however it came to a certain point that it's almost impossible to get it from kissing someone unless they had some kind of cut or sore in their mouth and even that is very unlikely so with me growing up you know i thought that you know drinking out i couldn't drink after nobody so when i um or no one could drink after me and so one of the you know challenges is like if my brothers and sisters we had cups we always had to make sure you know Marcus, make sure me in my mind, let me make sure I put my cup somewhere else. You know what I mean? So it's just certain things like that or not. I mean, you don't want to use someone else's toothbrush anyway. But, you know, if that happened with me, it's okay. I got to make sure I don't, I use my toothbrush and nobody else, you know, because right. at, the, at a young age, you know, you would think like that. Because you that know, let me it. say, you know, let me say before you go on, I'm just thinking about a lot of misconceptions that even I had, you know, when I was younger, because, you know, you don't know. So they just put the, you know, if AIDS was everywhere. They were talking about AIDS and HIV. People were dying. You were seeing people real sick on TV. They had sores all on them. And, you know, they were looking pretty bad. So, yeah, when I was I mean, a lot younger, I didn't even want nobody to touch me. I, now I don't want to hold your hand. I don't want to be talking to you because I didn't know if I can catch that. And I seen people on TV looking like zombies, right? So I'm like, nah, you know, I'm good. And so I know a lot of people got misconceptions when it comes to AIDS and HIV. And I know AIDS is like the, I guess, the last stage maybe of, of HIV. Maybe you can explain that better. But yes, I mean, so, 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 so when you were younger, did you have like normal friends? Like, did you stay sick yeah, a lot? So, did you go to the hospital and things so like I, that? Um, when I was younger, like when I think around the time that my mother first adopted me was probably more so the times where I had more of my um, illness challenges. You know, I probably won't even remember back then. Um, and I think I even caught pneumonia at one point, you know, but basically when after she, when the from the point of when she got me it was probably when I was at my worst state when she got me around that time because of I was with someone before my mother actually adopted me she actually was supposed to um, get me um weeks after I was in a foster home but I kept having to go back to the hospital because I think whoever had me at that time um, wasn't properly taking care of me but they might not have just understood you know the um what needed to really be done. And so my mother was in the phase of getting um, custody of me, of, of going to the adoption phase. And so she wasn't supposed to have me until like three or four weeks. And then one day they just called her and said, hey, can you get him today? You know, um, he's back in the hospital. And this is like his second or third time in the hospital in a short time period. So when she got me, it was more so the time that I was, um, you know, that was part of the, that was part of the, um, the time where I was most sick at that point. Uh, however, within like two years, by the time she got me back to the doctors, I liked the age two. They were like, man, what are you doing? You know, they wow. were, they thought it was a medicine that they were giving me two, three years old. They're like, this boy is healthy, you know? 
And um, prior to that, they were like, yeah, I don't know, um, you know, this he ain't looking too good, you know. And even when, as I would grow older, I was healthy, but they didn't know that children at that age, because there were so many people, you know, in the 80s and 90s that was dying from it. Um, they didn't, they're, one, either you will have it and be unhealthy because they didn't really have good treatments for it, or two, you might you might not make it to be a teenager. And that was once what they told her, my mother, because um, she would see teenagers. You know, when, when she would take me to the specialist doctors, she would see teenagers, um, you know, 14, 15, 16, 17, that may have had it because they were in an HIV specialist uh, care center. And so she's like, wow, you know, so she saw that and had hope. And so I think she mentioned it to one of the doctors. And as a woman's, um, you know, her, her name is, her uh, last name is Frazier. The like, woman's well, Frazier, um, Marcus may not live to be that long because he was born with it and, you know, he, it, by the time the by the time he gets gets to that age, his rise would have progressed to the next age, AIDS, and, and you know he might not make it. And, if, and then if they said if he does, you know he may have. I think she explained dwarf features as if I wouldn't develop properly. Um, and so, you know, I'm here today. All praise is due to Allah. And so, um, and let me ask you, let, let the, me ask you about your mother very quick because I, I think we want to touch on that. So your mother adopted you. She she's in the Nation of Islam, right? MGT. Did she have any affiliation with your biological mother? No, sir. No, sir. She didn't. So, 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 so she wasn't connected with you at all. She wasn't. So it's actually a really, really wonderful story. So my mother um already had four children, biological children of her own, and she had joined the nation in '92. Um, and after she recited and became an MGT, um, something just came upon her to where she always wanted to adopt. And she said, "This is the time," because she would hear the minister talk about helping our own, helping our people. And she said, this is a way that I can really help my people and give back. And so she actually wanted to adopt a girl. She had one girl, my oldest is my my oldest sister. She's the oldest. And then she had uh, boys, uh, three boys afterwards. Um, my brother's Delonte and Corey, um, Billy's Delonte and Corey, William's Delonte and Corey. Um, and so after having these children, she's like, you know what? I want another girl. So she said her mind was set. She knew for sure that's what I'm, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have a little baby girl, you know, um, so she went to the uh, she went and started getting the adoption uh, agency the information and everything and um you know she lets them know she would she would like a baby girl um, I think she had to take some courses you know or get some get some information and some documentation done which was a you know it was a couple of months progress one day um one of the individuals from the agency called her and asked her would she be interested in taking a child with special needs and so she was like well what are those what what kind of special needs are they and then she told that she told her so she said her immediate reaction was like. I don't know nothing about that, you know, HIV AIDS. And like you said, at that point, you know, um, like I think my mother and all my siblings at that age had a, had a, at that time had to take a course before she even could bring me home. They had to take a course um, about preventing spread, you know, how to care for someone with it and, um, you know, the truth about it, like how, how it spreads. And so they had to get more understanding on it um, because, like I said, she didn't even know. Um, and so. She wanted a girl and then she ended up with a boy and not only with a boy, but one that had this condition. And then on top of that, she had to take another course, um, you know, that was to specifically, I think, adopt um, somebody that has HIV. She had to, like, I think she had to go to D.C. or so. She was living in Gaithersburg, Maryland. So she was traveling every night. So it was a challenge for her as well to yeah. actually go from wanting one baby and with a short, maybe a shorter process to have to, uh, you know, so it just kind of fell on her lap and she's like, all right, I'll right. accept the task. Man, um, you know, so I would say, you know, I want to, you know, salute your mother, you know, um, because that's a, man, that, that's a heck of a thing to do. You know, I I know people who have um, children with, with, with special needs that are like, um, like, like physiological needs, you know, um, or children who are autistic and um, it's a challenge. I mean, I, I mean, to watch them and, and your child pretty much not walking or not talking, not playing like other children. That's a challenge for a parent because you want your child to be like everybody else. You know, you want your boy to play ball and you, know, you want your girl maybe to jump to double duds and you know, get out there with her little friends and hopscotch or whatever it is, right? So what's the challenge? And to, to, to come into it with already having children and to take on a child who's born HIV positive, man, your mother got some big faith. Yes, sir. Like real talk, she got some big faith, man. Salute to mom, like yes, in a real way because that's a... I mean, I know some parents that that would get that up. Like, like, I mean, biological parents, like, nah, I can't deal with that. You know, so to, to take on that and it's not connected with her at all. You know, that's, I mean, that's divine right there, man. You know, like, I mean, that's the guidance of the God right there. 
and as a young as a young child um that was something i was always very grateful for and so i never was you know i would have my times i'd be a little concerned and upset you know or you know i wonder what my biological mother my biological father was like and you know why did god give this to me like why was i born with it you know what i mean but then when i would think about it man i i got a family who loves me you know what i mean and so i'm here today and i'm blessed yes, and sir. so and i think about all the, the things that had occurred as a young child i'm like man you know I can't go back and change that. You know what I mean? So all I got to do is make the best of it. So there were times that it was challenging. And I, I don't think I answered this question. Even with the HIV and AIDS, you know, when people will hear HIV, they would automatically connect to the AIDS. And there's a lot of that today. Somebody says the HIV is automatically AIDS. Now, technically, if you want to go scientifically, medically, and actually look up the definition of AIDS and HIV from what the medical doctors say, it would be one who has a cd4 count that is below 200 so your cd4 are your t-cells and everybody has t-cells however individuals with hiv has typically a lower t-cell count because that's what the virus goes to attack and so when a virus goes to attack these t-cells it ends up destroying some of them and then affecting the other t-cells and so the lower your t-cell count is and the more challenging it is for your immune system to fight off colds flus or other immune um, deficient immune uh, viruses or whatever and so AIDS is when your point has when your your body has gotten to the point where your immune system that is failed and now you can have chronic pneumonia you know or um you know heart heart on disorders or some kind of skin disease something that will cause um some form of inflammation or some form of infection because now your immune system cannot do what it was created to do which is to fight off these things and so when it ends, so AIDS and HIV, they kind of are the same thing, but if they're, they're just two different stages. Like HIV is like, you know, you have a normal person up here, HIV is like down here, and the AIDS will be like way down here, you know what I mean? And so um, so, that, so it's not so much of, of it to being the same, you know, and an individual who has AIDS can go back into the HIV state. They can actually um, have the AIDS, um, and if they take care of themselves or take their medication or you know, do what needs to be done. They can basically get to the point to where they're back to HIV positive. Right. So, that's so let me, you know, let me say. So for everybody listening, I want y'all to understand this. So this brother was born HIV positive. Now y'all know those who over thirty or probably over forty and over. You know, back in them days, it was a lot of hey, HIV was like the boogeyman. I mean, man, that was worse than communism. You know, like nobody wanted to deal with HIV. You know, even though we were still reckless, it was still sexual promiscuity. He was still using drugs. It was still that fear, especially among the young people, that we don't want to get that. So I want you to understand when you're born with this, you face, they told you when you was a young boy or told your mother, you might not make it to be a teenager. So I know this thought is, is like on your mind. Is it tomorrow? Is this my last day? Is it this? That's I mean, that's a hell of a thought to live with, you know? So, so I mean, how did you and, like deal with I, that? And I would, I would, you know, just all credit is due to Allah, all praise due to Allah, and I give so much credit to my mother because, of course, she didn't tell me this as a child, like, man, you might not make it to a teenage. Right. I'm like, dang, mom, really? You know? <laughs> but as a child, like, before, <laughs> but she told me this after I was a teenager, and I'm like, dang, I beat the prophecy, you know what I mean? But my mother would, you know, would get sensitive at times, and, um, you know, thinking about what happened, and anyone who knows me, even to this day, like, knows, like, from a baby to now, like, I've, I've always strive to be a joyful happy person you know even when there and then like i said there were instances where i did get sick you know and i think i remember one time my sister told me i was talking to my sister and my brother about it and you know we all don't really like talking about it too much you know back in the past we all didn't like talking about it too much um you know because they would get emotional about it too my sister was like you would be, literally be playing you'd be sick and you'd be just playing and just be the happiest little baby and we would look at you like man he's really going through all this stuff, and you and you can look at them. You won't even tell. And, right. and at the same time, it was a blessing. But I, I guess it made them a little emotional. Like, man, he didn't ask for this. You know what I mean? And so, I guess Allah has blessed me uh, with the spirit of just striving to be as happy as possible. You know what I mean? Just living in the moment. I can't dwell on the past. I only can change today and tomorrow. You know, I can't go back and you know, um, yes, sir. change from what happened. And so, you know, so. My mother, you know, she, um, there was one, I remember, like I said, there were times, I remember, I can't, I don't know how old I was, maybe seven or eight, but I remember her sitting on a couch. She was either reading, she was doing something. And I walked into the living room and 
I was thinking about, you know, because I knew at the time something was going on. I kept going to because I have had to go to the doctors every few months or so. And I remember just standing there and I kept thinking about, you know, death not being alive. And so I just busted out in tears. And she's like, what's wrong? What's wrong? And I said, mommy, I don't want to die, you know. And I remember her words. She said, well, honey, we all have to die someday. You know, Allah created all of us to live and to die. And she said, however, just because you have to die doesn't mean you have to die soon. You can take care of yourself. Allah, I believe Allah is going to bless you with a long life. Even the doctor says, you know, if you take care of yourself. And she's she's tearing up to, you know, doctor said, if you take care of yourself, you can live an average lifespan. And as a young child, I'm like, man, I want to, you know, even even with that, I'm like, I don't know if it was being a little ungrateful. I'm like, man, the average lifespan is only seven yeah. eight. I don't want to live longer than that. You know what I mean? Right, right. Yeah. Um, but, you know, I had my little, um, I had my periods to where I was like, man, what if I get, even today, it's like, man, I got to make sure I'm good. I don't want to get sick or something. Take me out. Like, I don't, you know, I, I, it's not that I'm afraid of that, but I don't want to go out that way. You know what I mean? I want to, I want to be healed. I want to fulfill what I believe Allah has, has in store for me. And then I want to, it's not even just about me, though. It's way bigger than me. It's about Allah and our people, you right. know. How many individuals can I help with this story? How many individuals can I heal if I'm healed and figure out what, what needs to be done? Because I'm not afraid to speak, you know, about what okay. happened. Um, so, you know, that's she took a lot to learn and hear all these things and then to have faith. Because um, when my uh, I would talk to my aunt, she was like, um, at the same time, my biological aunt, because my mother somehow she did keep me connected with my biological side of the family. Because going through the adoption phase, she met my biological aunt, my mother's sister, who was trying to adopt me at the same time. She would say things like, I'm so glad that your mother got you. She said, I'm so glad Fran got you because if it was me, you would be dead, Marcus. You would be dead. I'm like, dang, yeah. auntie. And she's like, um, because I would have listened to what them doctors said because I didn't know nothing about And she said, Fran, she said, Fran straight up told me, I ain't, I'm not giving him this medication. She said, I, I've sat down the phone of this lady crazy. <laughs> she said, if I just would have known two years later when I saw you, she said, that's when I knew after. She said, you was about two years later or 18 months something. She said, I knew then I said, God planned for her to take him because if it was me, he would be dead. She said she was. She said my aunt, my aunt was. I was. I was a feisty young lady too. I was like, you're not gonna get my nephew, you know, because they were going through the phase at the same time. You know what I mean? And um, she said if if it wasn't for your mother, my mother said she prayed and cream of wheat, milk, um, uh, what is it? A bean soup, prayers, and she said she just said she believed, and I believe it was yeah. that the prayer feeding me the yeah. right food, and then the power of love of that black woman. You know what I mean? Yeah. That's powerful. Uh, that's powerful. You know, so and, 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 and so, okay, so let's get into a, a, like another phase then. Okay, right. so you deal with HIV all your life. You, you know, you, you went through your periods of sickness and, you know, um, you know, at, at some point thinking about your death and telling your mom, I don't want to die. So now you're getting up in age, you know what I'm saying? You're, you know, you're a young man. So, you know, of course, you know, you got needs, you know, you got, you know, the opposite looking kind of good to you, you know, you, hey, 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 you know, so. How did you, um, I know you married now and you yes, got a beautiful sir. wife, beautiful children. Um, how did you approach that? Cause that gotta be, man, that's big right there. You, you know what I'm saying? Yeah, that's tough. You know, um, you know, I was, when I was a teenager, I probably, I would say I probably had the most challenging time in my period, you know, because you're dealing with a lot, you know, um, you're going into the teenage years, you know, you're becoming a young, a young adult, you know, so, um, you're learning certain things, um, you know, you hear everything your parents saying, but you write your friend, they're saying this, you know what I mean? It's like, and so you just have all these thoughts and reservations. Um, you know, I think the most challenging time when I was a uh, teenager was um, not even just so much of my condition, just more so. It was just, it was that, but also the fact that I was adopted. Sometimes it would get to me like, man, you know, um, what, what, my, what, my, what would my family be like? Um, am I, is it a, one of, one of my, you know, and I, you know, you just think silly things as a child. My mother loves a child, you know. My, I know my mother loves me so much, but at the, at that age, I'd be like, man, what if, what if my mother feels different about me because I'm adopted? You know what I mean? Like I would have these certain thoughts, or, um, you know, and so that would hit me pretty hard. And of course, like, you know, I got to a certain age, you know, I wasn't <laughs> following the teachers too, too well, and you know, I, I wanted to have, wanted to have girlfriends and everything like that. And so I had my first, I'm serious, I, I would probably say serious relationship to, um when I was a teenager, um, I was about 16 or 17. And, um, you know, we were talking for quite some time. We got to know one another. And I told my mother about it. I sat down and told her about it. And, um, and you know, she was like, why well, I would really, you know, we talked about my condition, you know, um, because she was like, you know, well, you know, it's something, if have you been, has this been happening, you know? And if it is, have you told her this? And I said, well, we haven't gotten to that stage 
yet, you know. Or no, I was saying yet. I said we haven't got that stage at all. I was like, I ain't saying nothing. Because oh, we it, can, it we happen, can. you know. So I mean, we talked about it, but I was like, it ain't, it ain't happening. All right. My mom putting the heat on me, you know. And then she was like, um, well, you know, I want what's best for you, and um, of course, I would like for you not to be in this relationship because I want you to be focused on school, and I feel like. You know, when you start being focused on different things, it may take your attention. And then I also know you have this, you know, condition. And I don't know if you get to the point where if you do share it, it will be, um, I forgot exact words, but if they will really understand it. So I got to the point where I actually did tell this person, you know, and they were very understanding. Um, you know, I, I uh, was like, man, you know, we're real close. And I was like, I'm a teller. So I ended up, I ended up telling her, um, you know, and, and she had, understanding of it and so she actually you know was you know she asked me a lot of questions and she kind of had it kind of a, um what is it uh she all kind of kind of was curious already because i would go to the doctors every three or four months and i would tell her she's like hey, what you doing while you're in school or something i'm like i'm going to the doctors and so after like a year or so she's like why you know man i've been to doctors all the time you got something going on so when i told her she just kind of put two and two together i knew something was up you know so i ended up telling my mother that i told her you know, she asked about, you know, she asked me a lot of questions about it. And um, I mean, did know. the girl. So so once you told her, did she say, you know, I like you, but, um, you know, I can't, you know, we can't. Ain't no, nah, we, we, stayed, we stayed dating after that, you know. Um, I, um, yeah, we definitely stayed uh, dating after that, you know, um, probably because probably a long while after that. Uh, you know, I don't know, not a long while, but probably maybe a year or so. You know what I mean? Um, so and she had she had someone in her family that had had it and. And so she had kind of understood to some extent um, the difference between that and AIDS and that, you know, um, it wasn't the same thing as someone who takes care of themselves. So you can get it to be undetectable and stuff like that. And so, um, so yeah, so, you know, I had, I had that experience, you know what I mean? And then, all, but also, you know, as a, as a young man, you know, I always had to be real careful, you know, in case, I mean, you should, we got to be careful anyway, you know what I mean? The time that we in, um, mm -hmm. and then, you know, just in my respect for, I always had a respect for women. But also just with this that I had, I was like, I can't just be doing anything, you know what I mean? And so um, I always had to, you know, really think about that, you know, before, you know, making certain moves, you know what I mean? So, um, so, so yes, that was real. And then um, there would be times where I would get sick in, in middle and high school, and even still today, where I would always, I would be good. Like, I, would, I probably wouldn't even think about my disease like that. But every time I would get sick, I would be concerned. Like, my number's good, my number's high. I'm gonna be sick for a long time. Because when I would get sick in elementary school, there would be times where I would, I wouldn't get sick often. Like I didn't even have the flu a lot. Like my mother, we didn't take flu shots like that. We didn't do. She didn't give us those vaccinations, so I wouldn't be sick like that at all. But when there, when there were times that I was sick, it would take me longer to um, heal than what others. So, so those were the biggest concerns, you know. And then, heavy concern was I would start thinking about my future. Like my one of my biggest goals in life, not only to be healed, but I wanted to get married and have children. I didn't want my children to have it, you know, obviously. And I didn't want to have, have my um, pass anything over to my wife or something. So my wife, my mother and I would always talk. My mother and I always talked about, well, maybe when you get married, you can find someone um, who has it as well. And so I kind of grew up and I'm like, man, what if I, you know, I always thought I wanted to be a Muslim. I'm like, man, what if I have Muslim MGT don't got it? You know what I'm saying? I'm like, I got to go search for somebody with it, you know. Um, and I always wanted to have children that didn't have it as well. And so every time I would go to the doctors, not every time, but. I would always talk about, yeah, so when I get older, I can have children and I can do this. And they would, you know, break down the science of what they what they knew, you know. So and today I got a wife and I have children that don't have it. So. Wow. So, so, so let me ask you, I mean, so how did that process go? Because, I mean, you eventually if you dating someone and you're going through a courtship process, you eventually had to get to a point where, you know, you let her know. Yeah. And then she in that position where she got to make a decision. Am I going to go with this brother with a, you know, with a HIV who HIV positive? Or am I going to be like, nah, I'm good. I, I got to go find me somebody else, bro. Like, 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 how did that go down? So, um, I think I told my wife when we were courting, I think it was about a month in courtship, you know, um, I, 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 at that point I had already put in my mind that I, I would like for her and wanted her to be my wife. I believed it would happen. Um, and so I said, okay, now I got to cross this, this very, um, this barrier that I have in front of me. And my mother, she kept she kept calling me. We we're talking. I don't know if she remembers that. She kept saying, "You gonna tell her? You gonna tell her?" And I'm like, "Yeah, mom, I'm gonna tell her. Let me just get to a certain point." You know, I said, "We're gonna be courting for a month, but I'm gonna tell her she to get in because y'all y'all talking about getting married and all this other stuff. You gotta tell her." I said, "I'm gonna tell her. I'm gonna tell her." You know, and so so I kept thinking in my head, going over. You know how you um, 
replay something over and over in your head, like you about to do something. So I started going through over and over in my head. I said, I'm and I was pretty confident. I said, I'm, I'm about 90 some percent sure she's going to say she'll go. I said, but man, what if she don't understand it? What if she think that she's going to get it or her children will get it or she's, you know, or, or she's too worried about me being sick. You know, I was like, so then I started thinking like, man, she might not accept this. You know what I mean? This is kind of big. Um, but I said, I'll just do it. And so I started thinking about high school. I said, well, I did it before, you know, I said, but this is bigger though. This is somebody I'm going to spend the rest of my life with if we go through with this. And so this is big, you know what I mean? It's ain't no two or three year thing. This is eternally. Um, so I, um, it was, it was at night. I told her, I think I was, um, I was picking her up from somewhere. And I said, Hey, I have something to talk to you about. And I went through explaining the story about, you know, um, I think at that point she knew I was adopted already. And so I said, I went to the point of me being adopted. My biological parents passed. And I told her the reason why my mother, um, my biological mother passed. I kind of went into depth into that. And then I told her I was born with this. Then I explained uh, what it is. Um, if one is undetectable, is I won't say impossible, but almost impossible for you to pass it on to the next person. Um, and if that person doesn't have it, the children won't have it as well. And I said, and then if a person does have it, like there are mothers who have it and the children don't have it. So there are ways to um, do this without, you know, passing on. So I really kind of explain the science behind it. Um, and I broke down the difference between HIV and AIDS. Um, you know, and she teared up, you know, she's my wife. I remember her. I can still picture it in my face. We both, I'm breaking my, my voice cracking, her voice cracking. And I remember at the time we were planning to go to Cuba to study to become medical doctors. And she said, well, we're going to go to Cuba and, um, we're going, and we're going to go to Cuba and then we're going to, uh, find a cure for you. I remember she said that and I was like, crazy. Wow. Uh, you man, know, you know that's brother. That's man. Salute to your wife. Yes, sir. Yeah. I mean, that's some powerful stuff. So I, I mean, I don't know. You know, like you know, if I put myself in them shoes, and I was I was dating a sister of Corden, and she said, "Brother, you know, I got. I mean, you know, I don't know. You know, I I, I don't know how I would respond. I, yeah. I mean, that's a cold thing right there to even even consider. Now, how? So she accepted it, she understood it, but how did her family deal with it? Cause you know her mama, daddy, cousin, big brother, and them like, hey girl, you tripping? Was it, was it anything like that with her family? No, it's um. So it, it actually I asked her, and this was big for us. And I was like, I don't, you know, I, I would hate for you to be uh, dishonest to your parents or not to tell them anything. But I was like, can we maybe share this later, you know, in life? Because I was like, I don't, um, you know, marriage is already a big thing. You know what I mean? And I said, I don't. Um, I said, no one else knows this. At that point, the only people that knew this were my my siblings, my, my mother, my siblings, uh, my aunt, my grand my grandmother, um, and that friend I told. No one else knew this. Oh, I had told one brother um, in a mosque, um, brother Matthew Muhammad. Me and him were really close. So he was the only person I had told one after high school. Who the second person I told that wasn't in my family. He was the only brother I had ever told at that point. And so he and he was a he, he's always been like a good brother, a mentor towards me at the time. And so, um, you know, we would spend a lot of time together. So he was the first one I told. So when I told my wife, no one else knew. So I was like, you know, I kind of at that point was a little afraid of rejection. And I, I didn't know if they would take it or understand it the same way. Um, and so I so and we eventually did tell them. So we I, I can't remember how long ago we told them. Maybe I don't know if it was a year after we were married. It was, it was sometime after we got married. We sat down. Um, and we told them, and, and I basically told them the same way. My wife was there. We all were there. We had a big conversation, and I explained to them, um, you know, you know, um, the science behind it and um, me being born with it and um, how I got it and things like that. Um, and I believe they took it real well. You know, I, I think, you know, they got emotional about it. Like, wow, we just never knew. You know what I mean? We just would have never guessed, um, you know. And they said it took a lot of, I believe they said it took a lot of courage you know, to share with them and um, just to strive to be the man that I am today. And so it was, um, you know, they had questions as well. Um, and I'm sure they had concerns because they were, you know, they would wonder, like, you know, how likely is it that, she, how unlikely is it that she would, you know, she would get it or how are you doing? How's your health? You know, so those are more sort of questions and whether was children have it, if y'all had children, because this might have been, I, don't, I can't remember if it was before our first child or after. I can't quite remember the time, but, it, but we eventually sat down and told them, and, you know, I, I, they, you know, took it, took it well, I would say, you know, and it was, and it was, uh, and it was heavy time. Like every, everyone I have told before that I, um, before I expressed this out 
to the world was like it was heavy for me like i think when i because i i, I love these individuals i love these people and so and i love our, all our people but it's like when i express it to a camera you know it's like it's big because i'm like wow i'm bringing people down to my personal life but then when you're sitting down with someone i mean you got the emotions you got the body language you got you know the feeling of the spirit and then you have, you know, how are they going to feel about me? Are they going to be worried about me? You know, are they going to be concerned about their daughter? Are they going to be concerned about their grandchildren? You know, um, but we overcrossed that barrier as well. And we, you know, made it happen. So that's a blessing. Man, salute to, salute to the family. Yes, sir. Yes, sir. <laughs> yeah, salute to everybody around you. So, so you know, it's amazing. So, you know, I, I, I'm listening to your story. And, um, you know, it seemed like a consistent pattern of the love of black women. The power. Yes, that little powerful. Yes, that's yes, some powerful sir. love right there, man. Yes, sir. That's the kind of love that's sustained that for 400 some years on the cotton field. Yes, you know, it's, you know, it's big mama and them and aunties and our mothers, and you know what I'm saying? That love that they had, you know, to, to always embrace us, no matter what the hell we was doing. We yes, can be sir. crazy as all out, get out. But you know, mom and grandma and them are always gonna be there, right? Yeah. So you know it's really amazing that you know the, the, your mother who adopted you, who didn't have no connection with you, that love right there began a healing process. Then you meet another sister. Who you know now she faced with it, but she embraced you. Then her family. I mean, man. I mean, love. Man, yes, you can always honor black women all your life, brother. Yes, sir. I have to, bro. <laughs> you know, it was um. When I think of these things, because you know how something happens. Something it, it could be something you may think is minute or small, but then when you go back and you look at it and you really analyze it, you're like, wow, that was powerful. Yeah. And so I remember that it was the time I went out to the mall. This, this was this was before I recited, before I was in it. I mean, I was raised in nature, but this was before I actually accepted it. You know what I mean? Right. I mean, I always believed in it, but I was like, I'm trying to, you know, do what I got to do. You know what I mean? As a teenager, yeah. being hard headed. And so we went out to we went out to the mall. My mother, I think I was like 17 or so at the time, and the minister spoke, man, and he was hitting. You know, I'm I'm 17. He had me pumped up, man. I was like, I'm ready, man. Let's go. So we um driving back from the mosque. I'm pumped up, you know. I'm excited. My like, man, the minister was saying this. I'm like, he, he went overhead and he was like there, you know. I'm like, wow, Ma, how he do that, you know? And so we talking about it. She's just smiling like, yes, woo. So she's like, when you gonna write your letter? And I'm like, everything, the whole conversation just went down. You're like, come on, Ma. So we talked about this already. I'm gonna work. I'm gonna write it after college. Right. And she's like, why after college? Why not now? And I'm like, I don't know. I'm just gonna wait. I said, you know, Islam got too many rules. I said. And she, and she said something like, um, well, aren't rules necessary to establish life or aren't rules necessary in life or something like that? What's wrong with having rules that, that better your life? I said, well, I don't know. I, I just want to wait till after I, um, I finish college. And she's like, why well, after college? I said, I just, I, I just, you know, want to focus on school. <laughs> so she's like, um, so she got, I feel like she got real sad at that point. And she said, um, I remember to this day. And it, it kind of like broke my heart. And she said, why? And she, she said, well, I pray that Master Prophet Muhammad forgives me. She said, for I've tried for all my children to accept Islam. That's what she said. I'm like, man, it's just like crushing hope. And I looked at her. She had a white song. And I looked at her and I said, and at that moment, it was as if I was looking at an angel. And right. I, then I thought in my mind, right then and there, I said, I don't accept Islam. You know what I mean? I said, it's because I want to just mess around. Like, I, and, I, and I said, I believe in it. I, I truly believe in everything that is taught. So I said, am I ashamed to be a Muslim? Am I ashamed to you know, doing right. Do I care? So then that's when the process started. And I thought, I said, and in that moment, I thought, I, said, I wouldn't even be here if it wasn't for these teachings. I, said, I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for Minister Farrakhan, my mother becoming a Muslim and um, accepting the teachings, using how to eat to live, praying to Allah, asking Master Muhammad for healing. I wouldn't be here if it wasn't for all that. I'd be, yeah. I could be somewhere dead right now. Yeah, and I started thinking, like, this was all Allah was doing. You know what I mean? And then I started seeing, I mean, I've always saw the vibe women and black women but right then and there it just hit me heavy and then when i married my wife i realized after marrying my wife i said she got a lot of traits she reminds me of my mother and i was like she got she be doing like she used to do certain things in the world she i said my mom used to do stuff like that you know we're going here then i would hear the minister and he would teach on how the way that you are raised like the black man and black woman goes out a black woman will marry someone similar to her father a black man was married somebody similar to her mother. And I said, wow, I didn't even see it like that. And then that same love that was given to me as a child, because now I have that every day in my life with my wife. You know what I mean? And so that's 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 a blessing. Yeah. Yes, sir. And man, so, so you know, let's talk about you, know, you raising the nation. 
born with HIV, you faced a lot of challenges. What role did spirituality, because ultimately spirituality is like the real power, the yes, healing and everything. I, I mean, I mean, you got to have a spiritual alignment. You know, um, did you read Bible and Quran a, a lot? Did, did you pray a lot? Do, do you pray a lot now? Like what role do spirituality play in the healing? Because some people have diseases and we think like it's impossible to heal. And I've seen, you know, you know, even though the Bible talk about Jesus healing the sick, I mean, the Bible, and we read that, but yes, we like, well, if they have AIDS, really? like, they have no AIDS. Jesus wouldn't heal nobody with AIDS, right? So even though we read these stories and these miracles, we still sometimes in our mind, we don't bring it up to modern times, like, right? So what role do spirituality, what has it played and how, how do it play right now? And your continual healing, because you still face with it, right? Like, yes, I mean, you still, have, do you still have some challenges sometimes? Yes, sir. So far, I still am with it, you know, but it's only a matter of time before it's eliminated out of my system with a lost permission. Um, so going back as a child, I always, I had to always had a goal, always desired to be a doctor, always wanted to help and heal others, some form of doctor or scientist to where I could cure this disease and I can cure others with it. And so, and it's probably because me being born with it and then me spending so much time in the hospitals or the doctors growing up. Um, and then my mother took me to um, Dr. Lee when I was a child. So I was always around doctors and I always was inspired to help others. And I wanted to be a doctor in the nation of Islam. Um, so growing up, I always, you know, had that vision in my mind. And my mother, you know, as a young child, she probably, I, I learned spirituality probably from her, you know, reading, you know, Supreme Wisdom, reading Quran to me as a child. Um, you know, she would have us read it as well. You know, that's to the black man, Quran, um, some of the Bible, the Supreme Wisdom. <clears throat> when I first came, when I first recited, when I was 18, I was very, um, I strive to be very studious even today. Like I was, I was just reading, I was just self-improvement. Um, you know, um, the Supreme Wisdom, that's to the black man, follow of America, um, prayer, fasting. I was doing so many things. And so I was, I, I strive to be as spiritual as possible. Um, and this is before I, like, as I, after I recited, you know, I, I always believed I would be here, but I didn't, I knew about the power of the mind. I knew about the power of God, but I didn't, from what, what I knew then, from what I know now, I didn't, I didn't know, you know what I mean? So it's like, now I know that if you are truly aligned with the creator and you accept Christ's teachings, you can be healed. Then I just, I always thought that I, it was some form of medication or some form of cure that I had taken. It might be the case, but I didn't know how connected your mind and your spirit was to the point where you can heal your body. And I was doing it all these times. I mean, there would be times where I would, um, you know, I would, I would be fast and I'd be praying. I would feel good. I would be doing good. But then I would go to the doctors and then my, my results, my numbers weren't good. It was as if I wasn't doing nothing at all. I was like, man, like some, I'm doing all this. I'm fasting and praying and the results aren't where they want to be at. You know what I mean? Um, and so that was the, the biggest challenge was like every time I would go to the doctors, it was like I was trying my best to pray. I was, there was a time I was eating every other day, eating right. And, but and I wasn't getting the results that I was looking for, you know. However, um, you know, that being said, I understood that, OK, I know I wasn't like saying it didn't work. But I know this is going to be a timely process. You know what I mean? And, you know, it takes time for the body to heal. Like, I've, I've had a condition for quite some time. But I don't know what route Allah is going to guide me to to being healed. Um, so today, what I do, um, I strive my best, you know, and I'm not going to say I make all my five prayers a day, but I strive to, you know, I strive to pray in the morning. I'll wake up in the middle of the night sometimes and I'll do a prayer. Um, one of my favorite lectures of the ministers to listen to is The Power of God to Heal the Black Man and Woman of America. Hmm. And in this lecture, he basically... Um, he talks about the uh, miraculous um, healing powers of Jesus, you know, and then he also talks about instances to where he was blessed to being able to heal other individuals. Yes. Um, and then he, uh, you know, he, he goes into basically um, aligning yourself, aligning yourself with the creator, with God and how, you know, praying, uh, being steadfast, um, being striving to be righteous, having the right thoughts. All of these things play a part in healing. You know what I mean? And so mm. that's what I'm doing today. Um, I strive my best. I do little shakes here where I can like mix fruits and vegetables and put spirulina and corella in it. And um, I'm doing collodial silver. I've tried so many different regimens that echinacea, echinacea tea, black seed oil with uh, honey in it, you know. <laughs> and so most times, they, and a lot of times, it was, I mean, I there were times where I came home. I remember one time I came home for the doctors. My wife's like, she's like, what's the results? What's the results? And I'm, and she, <laughs> 
<laughs> she saw him, and I, this is the first time I think, other than my wedding, this is the first time I just bust out crying. Like, um, well, by the time by the time she got to me, at my wedding, I was done crying. So she could see like my little eyes watering up. This is the first time where I just it just man it came out of me to where I just broke down, and it was like it's like no matter what I do, I, I'm not getting the results. Like my numbers, it's like aren't the same. So the only time basically I would be undetectable was when I was on my antivirus, which are curated and made to basically suppress the virus, but they don't eliminate it from your system. And so I don't have some kind of mentality where I'm not going to take my medicine. I understand things have to be done in order to sustain your body. However, I've been on them for so long, I, they, they have these crazy side effects. You know what I mean? And so, and when I go off them, um, what I'm trying to do is I'm trying to figure out some kind of pattern or, or some kind of supplement that I can take that will either keep me undetectable or it can be eliminated because I know that if it's a problem or if something's in existence, the law already has a solution. Now we just got to get to it. Absolutely. But however, going through that, it's a, it's a test of faith. You know, it's, it's a, it's even today, you know, I, I share my story, but I mean, there are times I'm upstairs, I'm down here and I'm like, what's next? You know what I mean? Like, what do I do? I know it's going to happen. But what if I what if I take the wrong step and before it happens, maybe what if I get sick? You know what I mean? And I don't want to have to go to the hospital because I don't know what Allah has in store for me. And so and then I, I even to the, uh, like a few months ago or a couple, uh, maybe a couple of months ago, I went to the doctors recently and my numbers weren't what I thought that for them to be. And I was emotional about it. I'm like, all right, I might get back on the medicine. But then I get on the medicine. Then I feel even sicker than I do now. And it's like, what in the world? Like, I felt like I had the flu or something, you know? Mm -hmm. And so there were times that it, it is challenging, but spiritually, I just, you know, I align myself, I strive to align myself with the creator by praying because I know that it's going to happen. I strive to eat the right foods. And, and when I do that, even though it's weird, because even though the numbers will show something else, you know, my body will feel a certain way. And I don't know if it's because Allah is just guiding me with his, with his beingness, with his spirit. And it's like my energy, my spirit be so high that I just don't feel the effect of it on my body, you know, but it's like the numbers will say, Oh, this is that, but it's like, well, this is how I'm doing. Like, I, some, I, I barely get sick. You know what I mean? And so, um, yeah, so that's that's just uh, how that is. And, you know, so I'm praying. You know, uh, I strive to listen to the teachings of the Most Honorable Elijah Muhammad, Honorable Mr. Farrakhan. Lectures that I love is that, like I said, the power of God to heal the black man and woman of America. Because I truly believe that um, true prayer, true just thinking the right thoughts. Um, I think also just peace like i like i said i love nature i love animals so i take little walks and i run in the morning and stuff um like you said like like my little fish tank i think just being in an environment of peace like the minister said um if there was a heaven it would be found in a black woman you know so my wife and i we strive our best to make a peaceful environment you know with each other you know try to spend quality time with each other a lot of times i got a little separate area where i go to and i might just sit up there and just think um, I have a journal I write down in, and, I, and when I'm like overwhelmed with emotions or when there's a lot of thoughts on my mind, I'll, I'll go down and I'll write down, you know, what I'm feeling, what I'm thinking. And I just talked to a lot. When I was a child, I remember seven, eight, nine, ten. I remember, I remember just always trying to talk to a lot. Like, I would like, ask my mom, you know, what I do, what's this, you know? And it's still to this day, I'll go and I'll talk to a lot and I'll try to, um, you know, keep pushing through it. And so, um, that's it. And I, I don't, you know, I don't know exactly how it's going to happen. I know it's going to happen. I just, it's just a matter of time. Um, but I just got to keep pushing it and just get through it. Yes, so sir. I, that's kind of what I'm doing, you know. And man, let's give a shout out. I'm assuming it's your mother-in-law, Sister Aisha. Yes, that's my mother-in-law. Man, she said, I always knew my daughter was special. She solidified that when she married this courageous young man and began this journey with him and that family. May Allah continue to bless you all. I love y'all. Oh, man, you. Sister Thank Aisha, you. boy, we bow down. We salute, black women. That is That's a black powerful stuff, that, that is, that's I, a mama you know, right there. Yeah, man. You <laughs> know, like her, just, her and her daughter are so much alike. Like the, they just love Islam, brother. You know, they love the minister, love Allah, they love our people. You know, and it's yeah. just, it's just phenomenal. I mean, I'd be like, like when I look at my mother-in-law, my mother and my my wife, I'd be like, man, I'm trying to be like them. You know what I'm right. saying? Could there be not? There be some times, man. I, I'll say something, do something. My wife's like, no, babe, you can't do that. You can't say that. I'm like, why? Well, you can't justify wrongness. I'm like, all right. Yeah, so right. I'm not justifying. I'm just explaining. <laughs> right. Deceptive intelligence. Deceptive intelligence, brother. Right <laughs> hey, man, you know, brother, you know, when you was talking, you know, I have a, an experience with the minister that, you know, I don't share publicly too much, but, but I have shared it before um, of, of the healing power because I, too, believe 
that the Honorable Minister Louis Farrakhan is a man that's directly connected to the Supreme Being and, and, and his exalted Christ. And uh, my mother, before she transitioned um, to the ancestors uh, several years ago, she battled with cancer for a long time, you know? And uh, she got to a point where she was on hospice several times, very strong-willed woman, you know? And she also struggled with, you know, crack addiction, you know? And um, so it was time when she would go, you know, when you're in religious world, you know, you sometimes you straight up on, on drugs, then other times you preaching to everybody and, you know, you're trying to save, save the world and get everybody sanctified, right? But then, you know, next week, you know, you out there in the streets real bad, right? So I watched my mother vacillate, you know, between crack and Christ, you know, for years, right? And um, I remember when she got real sick, I, I told her, I said, Mama, you know, once you come up here, I want her to see a naturopathic doctor here in Phoenix, Arizona, Dr. Patina, because Dr. Patina had did some remarkable things with, you know, one of my sons and a lot of other people that I knew who had went to Dr. Patina. She's a naturopathic doctor. She did some good stuff. I said, come up here and see the naturopathic doctor. She had went through all the cancer treatment, the chemo, the radiation, and that was just killing her. You know, it, it was eating her up, right? And um, so I remember one time I had, um, you know, and it's a lot to it. I don't want to get deep into the story, but suffice it to say, I, I had wrote the minister a letter sharing some things that my mother said about him and um, that, um, you know, she wanted to meet him. And, you know, the other minister, Louis Farrakhan, had, you know, read the letter and, you know, he accepted that. And uh, my mother and I and my ex-wife, we went to see the minister and he prayed. I, I never forget that day, man. We, we was at his house here in Phoenix and Mother Khadija come down. It was her birthday yesterday. Shout out to mom. You know, you know, one of the greatest and strongest women that I know is, is the wife of the Alma Minister Louis Farrakhan, Mother Khadija Farrakhan. And um, but our Mother Khadija came down and she kissed my mother and hugged her. And she said, sister, we love you and we're praying for you. And at this time, my mother had a cancerous tumor on her brain. The cancer had metastasized. Uh, I think I'm saying that word right. So much it had spread so much where she was in her stool was blood. You know, when she went to the bathroom, she was you know, like 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 blood was passing through her stool. You know, so she was kind of messed up. You know, and um, the minister, the other minister, so I kind of prayed with her. You know, for about 45 minutes, man, we prayed and he talked and he said some things to her. And um, I just remember, and it's a lot more to the story, but I just remember. Like shortly after that, my mother was weak and everything. And about a week or two, my mother was riding bikes for my children. She was going to the park, sliding down the slide board and walking to the store. And I was just amazed. So can't nobody tell me nothing, absolutely nothing about that man. Now. You know, they say he, you know, he racist, he bigot, anti-Semitic. Man, I ain't trying to hear none of that. None of that, you know. You, you you know, got blind, man. I, you I don't got know physical proof. <laughs> hey, man, I, I mean, I seen it. I, I mean, I seen it. And my mother... She was so excited when she got back to St. Louis. She called me and uh, she say, Red, you know, it's my nickname. You know, my family called me Red, right? She say, Red, I went to my doctors and she couldn't even say the word right. She say, they told me my cancer was in readmission. I say, what, mama? She said, my cancer is in readmission. She said, I don't got it no more, you know? Wow. And I say, wow. man, you were touched by Christ, bro, you know? So I know that that belief and that faith in, in God and living your life right and being in alignment, it plays a lot of part, a, a big part. So anybody out here dealing with something, you're dealing with a physical illness or a physical challenge, get your mind right. Yes, Start sir. eating right, praying, get your mind right, live right, do right. And, and yeah. we have to understand that it takes time. You know what I mean? It takes time to be healed from our life and from the things that have been done to us, our parents, our grandparents, our ancestors. We're talking about 400 years of pain. We're not looking at just our life. We're looking at pain that has been caused on our parents, our grand. I mean, think about the things that my mother had went through when she was pregnant with me, you know, and may Allah be pleased with her, but using drugs on the streets while pregnant. Think about the things that I had to go through. Now, not, now let's not look at me. Let's look at the condition of our people. How many young men and women are pregnant now or were pregnant 10, 20 years ago with children that were involved in certain things that had occurred that made them feel a certain way about themselves when, this, when, these, when these childs grow up because, and they don't even think of these things, you know what I mean? And so we have to, strive our best to acknowledge and confront what happened but we got to live in a moment and make a change because we have to understand that if those things happen to us then i believe god has a plan for us you know what i mean if a diamond it comes from a single rock piece of coal that is formed under the earth for trillion billions trillions of years right tons and tons of pressure but from a rock you become a diamond and so you have so many different um where there's something that's a um a species or a bug or insect or animal like you have many things that have 
metamorphic stage, um, stages of evolutions. And so if God, his greatest creation, the human being, God in person, the human being, we are a reflection, we're, we're in the likeness of God, we are God. If, if all these things in his creation have to go through these physical pains, what do we got to go through to become what he set out for us to be? You know what I mean? And, and, and so studying these teachings, hearing the stories on Amin's Little Farrakhan, I understand, I, I'm, you know, striving to understand that pain is needed for pleasure. You know what I mean? Because after difficulty comes ease. And when we, when we, um, when these things are what we call burden or pain or pressure, when these things are applied to us, we have to learn to overcome it. And so we can, and, and sometimes overcoming it might just be sharing your story with other people. Like when you help, I believe when you help others and you heal others, you're healing yourself. You know what I mean? Like the, the minister said in one lecture that we have, I can't remember the exact number, but it's like billions of atmospheric pressure surrounding our body. But yet we don't implode or explode. So with that being said, if we have so much pressure being on us so, currently at all times, whether we sleep and walking, like at all times, we got billions of pressures of atmosphere on us. If we can handle that every day, it's nothing that we can't handle. If we can come from a single sperm, I think it's um, the average sperm count now, they say, is between 40 million to 1 billion. And I believe years ago, for our people, you know, it was multiple billions of sperm cells. But only one sperm cell is the one that actually fertilizes the egg, which forms at that point to a, a zygote. And so I always think about life like this. And I heard the minister say it. He didn't say it to this exact, um, this exact way. But, I mean, just imagine being lined up in ranks, right? Like, like you're about to run track. And it's you and it's 250 million other people, right? And you got, and the first person to the finish line is the first person that's going to win. You were the one that won. Like, the, us, you and I talking, you and I physically being here, all of our people that's just alive, that already is a testimony of how great and powerful you are. That not only that you got to the finish line, but God guided you to get there and chose you to be here. So you, us being born is already just a blessing and a greatness in itself. So we got to look at these things and then look at what's in front of us and just break the barrier because there's nothing that we can't accomplish. And that's just kind of mm -hmm. how I look at it, you know? So it's, I know it's a challenge and I know it's, it's, it's a challenge for me, but I'm, I'm happy. I'm blessed. I'm excited. And I'm just ready, you know, to share with the world. I'm ready to be healed and, you know, show yeah. how God and the person of Master Muhammad, you know, has that power to heal. Like we're, we're talking to a living God, you know what I mean? Absolutely. So, so let me ask you, um, for, for one of our last questions, um, and it's twofold. Um, what would you say somebody listen to this live right now or somebody who listened to the replay who facing some some kind of physical challenge? I mean, some people have been diagnosed, some women diagnosed with breast cancer or cervical cancer, some men diagnosed with prostate cancer or um, you know, something else, high blood pressure, liver disease, you know, whatever it is. Um, what words would you say to somebody who's facing health challenges right now? in terms of your mental attitude, your spiritual attitude, how you live your life. And then also, how does that relate to um, what you want to do in life? You know, let's close out with that, like your purpose, because you shared with me, like what you believe your part of your purpose is and your mission and things like that. You know, let's deal with that as we close this session out. It's a powerful question, very powerful question. <laughs> I pray I answer it the right way. Um, I feel like there's many ways to answer it. Um, the first thing I would um I would say is I believe the first step is faith. You know what I mean? Just faith in God, you know, the, and really just belief in him that he has the power to heal, you know. Um, I also think another term that we could use, a powerful word, is love. I believe that we have to love ourselves. You know, we have to really get to know ourselves and, and fall in love with ourselves, not in a sense of vanity, but in the sense that this is who I am. This is my body. Love. If I'm here, then he blesses me to be here. You know what I mean? Like, we got to understand how much God loves us. And we can't say we love God if we don't love ourselves. So we got to love ourselves and we got to love God and, and just be and just start being thankful. I know a lot of times we look at all the, the pain and all the challenges we go through, but just think about something that makes you happy. You know, the minister said, if you are going through a struggle, he says, just stop and count your blessings and you'll immediately um, see how much abundance you got and then start to be grateful. I mean, look at our hands, you know what I mean? Look at your eyes, look at your ears, look at what's around you. Sometimes you may have only pain you think that is surrounding you, but look at look at the pain and how it can also turn into a blessing. You know what I mean? And so um, I don't know what it's like to have other illnesses like cancer and 
to be told you only have a year or two years to live. I mean, that's that's a challenging situation. Um, I don't know, you know, personally how I would feel, or you know, being in that situation. But I think um, loving yourself, being grateful, and just knowing that God has a plan. You know what I mean? God has a plan for you, and it's greatness. You know what I mean? And so that's what I believe. And I and I think um, my you know what I hope to accomplish is I want to you know take my story. Um, share it with the world, you know, that healing is possible. I want to teach on healing, inspiration, um, how, you know, inspire other individuals, you know, to study themselves and, you know, how real it is that healing is possible. Um, you know, just me being here is, a, is an example of that. And I believe faith, like if you have faith and belief that you can overcome, it says in the, in the Bible, if you have faith with the size of a mustard seed, you can say to a mountain, be removed and it be removed. But the works come into that. Like you have to have the faith for the works. And I would say pray. Um, prayer is so powerful. Uh, when individuals pray, it's improving the quality of your faith. And so, and then when you go to pray, you have to believe what you're praying for is going to be answered. And so if we can't go to prayer with doubt, we have to go with prayer with, uh, we got to know that it's going to be, it's going to be, uh, I heard um, someone once say, pray like everything belongs on God. Everything's on God, but work like everything is on you. And that's kind of how we have to move in life. If the prayer like it's all on God and work like it's all on us. And so my goal is to spread these teachings of the most honorable Elijah Muhammad and um, it's through the world. One way is by sharing my story, how real God is in person of Master Prophet Muhammad and his healing powers. And the truth that in the Bible says that Christ will make all things new and that, you know, he is one that can heal. You know, God's teaching is one that can heal. Elijah, his name actually means doctor. It means cure. It means the answer. It means God is present. All those things at once. So if we accept his teachings, how to eat to live, you know, being righteous, praying, doing unto others as you want done unto you. All these are steps into healing, not only ourselves, but into healing others. And that's what I want to do. I want to share the power of healing. I want to share love, being an example, sharing the, the example of love from the black woman using my mother and my, uh, my wife as an example of what happened with me, what's happening with me every day. Um, you know, and spreading the world with that, you know, and I also, yeah, I deal with finances as well. So it's like, I believe, you, I mean, finances is a part of healing, you know, if you are, don't have the finances and the things like life insurance intact, you know, like when our, our, our community is lacking um, finances, because a lot of times our families, our, our mothers, our fathers die and are passed away. And we don't have the finances that it takes to grieve properly, take care of ourselves. And so now we got to be more stressed and there's more burden which now makes the body more sicker because we don't have the finances. But the minister said that <clears throat> the, we are physically, um, economically, uh, mentally dead, but the root of it is spiritually. And so if we can heal the spirit, you know, heal how our mind is and our, our belief system, then everything else will fall into system, uh, fall into place. And so we got to think the right thoughts, eat the right foods, make the right decisions, and then we can take the steps that's necessary into the healing phase. Yes, sir. So prayer, faith, and works. That's that's what it's all about. Praise be Allah, brother. Hey, brother. Hey, listen, man. We really appreciate you sharing your story, man. That's you know, that's courageous and um, you know, it's commendable. Um, yes, so many people living with things and they don't want nobody to know. Yes, you sir. know, but um, you know, we don't know that our struggles and things that we've gone through and are going through. It's a testimony for somebody else, you know, because it ain't just for you by yourself. Yes, sir. You know, it's for somebody else, you know, and, and you know, we pray that the God bless you and your work and your efforts to soar to the highest heights. Praise we pray that your family is blessed, man, like all your family, all them strong sisters that's in your mix. You know, you know, we just can continue to pray for all of them and, and, and thank them, you know, for that excellent example. Just really thank mom and mother-in-law, your wife and everybody else, everybody. I'm a, I'm a, other aunties and stuff. I'm other aunties. I got, I got some good brothers I want to shout out to right quick. All right, um, shout them out. Can I shout them out? <laughs> yes, sir. The first brother, man. I um, this is the first brother I told. Uh, named brother Matthew Muhammad. I don't know if he's watching or not, but he's a blessing. Him and his wife, sister Rashida. Well, he was the first one I told. Um, I got two uh very close brothers of mine. Both both of their names are Anthony. <laughs> um, both brother Anthony, Anthony, um, Anthony Muhammad, uh, Anthony V Muhammad. You know, loved them both. You know, um, one of one brother he has uh he his name's brother Anthony has three beautiful children and they all man we talk to them I talk to them all the time and it's just all love man all peace they're powerful man great they're they're um you know the wives are as well you know blessings because they're my sisters man and um 
just these teachings, man, the teachings of the most humble Muhammad, the FOI, the MGT, man, it's just, it's been a blessing, man, because that's part of my healing, you know, to be, to have strong brothers in my corner, you know, shout mm-hmm. out to my wife, my mother, my mother-in-law, my father-in-law, you know, they've all been great examples of great help with, um, oh, there, that's my mom right there. That's <laughs> mom right there. Hey, mama. Okay. <laughs> hey, mama, we love you, mama. Hey, you need to write that book. <laughs> I know, right? Um, yeah, it's powerful. You know, so I, I'm just grateful, man. I'm blessed. And um, there was something I was just thinking about as you were speaking, but I believe it went away. Um, but it's all good. Well, yeah, man, uh, follow me, Marcus Muhammad, on Facebook. You know, I'm on IG, Marcus Muhammad. I think Mar- at Marcus Muhammad 7. You know, I'll be sharing a lot of content, a lot of videos to help individuals with physically healing, spiritually, mentally, economically, because they all tie into one another. Like everything that we have is connected to one another, mind, body, and spirit. You know, physically, spiritually, mentally, economically, you know what I mean? All these things are tied into one another. And it takes us as a community sometimes, I feel like, to heal. We got to all love one another, man. It's just, we just got to bring that peace back into our community, to our homes, to, to ourselves first. To ourselves, we got to make that tone with ourselves, with God, to our homes, to our community. And that's how we have a peaceful and a healing nation. So, yeah, let's, let's keep rolling. Man, okay, let's see. Um, Annie Handy say, nobody can make me believe different when I lived in Islam for 1974. I have seen and know that it is where the truth. Uh, I think it is a blessing when God bless you to un- understand and accepting the, I don't know what that means. The high. The, the high. People think we're crazy. That's okay. I'm crazy in love with God and the teachings. Absolutely, brother. And then we got Timothy X say good testimony. Thank you for watching. He say soldier that. Yeah, brother Troy. Yeah, brother Troy. I'm sorry, brother Troy. Yeah, brother. So, man, brother, you know, we really appreciate it, brother. You sharing that. And, um, you know, for all those out there who, who may be dealing with something, you know, take take a lesson from my young brother, Marcus Muhammad, who, you know, at a very young age, they told him he might not make it to a teenager. He's 27 years old now with a wife, children, and doing his thing, helping other people, serving God, impacting the world. So they plan and God plan. And God is the best of planners. So you ain't got to accept what they tell you. These doctors, they don't... They, they not the best knower. Look, check this out. Keep watching, man, because I'm about to be healed soon. All right, I'm gonna. Okay, I okay, heard that so, right. Keep watching. He got, he got something in store, and then he got something in store for all of us. Let's That's real So thank you, big brother, and thank you all for tuning in. And, and brother Marcus, man, we appreciate you. We love you, thank big you, brother. Thank you. I'm looking forward to meeting you in person one of these days, man. Yes, sir. It's you know, you're my and Ed, you know, I'm, I'm looking forward to meeting you, brother. I'm gonna come down there, man. Put my mask on, man. We're gonna rock with it. <laughs> yes, sir. Real talk. <laughs> All right, big brother. Thank you, family, for watching. And salam alaikum. Thank you, brother. Salam May Allah bless you. Thank you so much for listening. We pray that you are inspired to get your personal and business life back on track and in alignment with your divine purpose. Please subscribe, share this podcast, and join us for future episodes. And remember, your authentic self is powerful beyond measure.